RB chapter four. Who the hell knew that I would have this much to say about my dog that you might want to hear? This story's longer than I thought. It's probably a lot longer than anything that I'm going to ever say, but it's just, it's just a little stuff, I guess. You know, you wonder what the hell does it matter to anybody else? And then like pain is universal and love is universal and animal people, you're born as an animal people. Animal people are born, not made. And just because I love dogs and just because I don't have kids, I do have a stepson, but meant biological kids. Okay, then everybody who's adopted saying, does that mean that I'm not a mother or father? No. Screw that. But I just, I was born this way, and I guess I don't have to be uh, apologetic for anything that I feel. And... Uh, but I'm not going to sit here and just sap out on you and cry and cry and cry and always so. Yes, I'll tell you a couple of fucking cute things, okay? Yes. And when is the death? When is the death? When are you going to die? When's the day that he's going to die? Tell me about that. Well, <clears throat> okay. The question is, when is that time? When is the time, in quotes, that you're supposed to put a dog to sleep? Some people say that you just you just know. Oh, you just know. Other people, like my sister, just prayed. She prayed and prayed and prayed for days. Please die in your sleep. Please die in your sleep. Please die in your sleep. I'm sure people pray that for people that they love, that they can't use a convorkian on them, and they're in the hospital suffering. I'm sure that every animal owner probably prays that, that they, I just hope he wake up dead. Wait, he won't wake up if he's dead. You know what I'm talking about. But then I started thinking, if he's, if I wake up and he's dead, is he gonna, am I going to be freaked? And every time Dave and I left to go somewhere, and then I opened the door, I just looked in the hall with trepidation because I'm thinking, is Arby going to be there breathing? Or is he just going to be dead and my other dog's going to be freaking out? So I don't know if that was great either. But these people who say that you just know, like people say you just know when you meet the person that you're going to marry which I never believed either until I did, so, so much for that. But to me, the time, and I feel like I have to say, put it in quotes or say it as if it's in quotes, the time. For me, for everybody, it's different. It was when it was sadder for me to see him alive than it would have been for me to see him dead. Whoa. That's a hard thing to deal with. My sister's been writing this memoir about her dog, Barney, who died at 15 and a half. And she deals with things in different ways. It takes her years to do it, years of therapy and whatever. For me, I guess I just try to deal a little more quickly. That doesn't mean that the pain and stuff's not in there. But my sister's been reading a lot of other memoirs about books. And there's a whole bunch of lesser known ones than Marley and me. And she was telling me about these two books that... I like to sort of run the gamut of what people think about putting their dog to sleep or when you're supposed to do that or any of that kind of stuff. And in one of these books, I forget the name of both of them. I'm not going to read them. In one of them, a guy kills his dog when it can no longer run. Not, not no longer walk or get around or even be healthy, but he can no longer run. He was just older, so he couldn't run and run and run and run through the wilderness which I think is really fucked up 
And then I think, well, I shouldn't judge people because that's their own decision. Everyone has to make their own decision. I'm sorry. No, you could have given the dog to somebody else. Well, I guess he didn't want to give it to somebody else because the thought of giving it to somebody else was probably more painful than the thought of killing the dog. But it's like, okay, when you can't run and you can just walk, you know, let somebody kill him, a dumb fuck, when he can just walk and no longer run. But then he would probably say, I want to be killed when I can no longer run through the wilderness. You know what? Let me save you time, buddy. Let's put a bullet through your head right now. Okay, for legal reasons, I'm just kidding. In this other book, this woman kept her dog around for so, 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 so long that I think that it was totally narcissistic, totally selfish, and like the sickest thing that I could ever think of. It made me vomit. Well, not really vomit, but think about vomiting when, she, when my sister told me about this book. This woman convinced herself that the dog told her that she wanted to be with her. And I'm sure that every dog or every animal that loves somebody wants to be with them. And I finally realized that Arby, yeah, he wanted to be with me. Could I have kept him around? Yeah, probably breathing. But would you like to be kept around breathing when you're in constant pain and you've got fevers and you're feeling like crap? You can't control your bowels. You can't get up. You can't even move. Yeah, believe me, I thought about, you know, if he was in health, in perfect health, I would have gotten a cart or something. Or you think, well, if he was a person, you would just put him in a wheelchair. But, you know, there is sort of this halfway point where it's like Million Dollar Baby, where, you know, they start cutting off limbs for gangrene or whatever the hell that was. And when I started seeing that black spot where his skin started, the, the tissue starts dying where he had the bed sore even though I'd move him all the time there was just so much stuff and no believe me it was way way beyond the I'm gonna kill my dog because he could no longer run through the wilderness so this other woman in this other book who keeps her dog around too long she convinced herself that the dog wanted to be with her no matter what one of the things the dog had that I remember my sister telling me and I don't know if she was 100% correct on this but that the dog had tumors all over, including one in its mouth, the size of its mouth. What the fuck is that? You know, at, at what point do you just go, oh my God, you know, I'm keeping this thing around for me, which, okay, I know this isn't all original thought, but you know, there are universal things. I'm allowed to say universal things. I just don't have to sit here and go, oh, well, I'm going to be totally creative because I'm doing this thing and I want to use words that people have never used before. The word word is something that somebody's never used before. Well, uh, by the way, a friend of mine offered to take RB for me to the vet to put him to sleep. She goes, I've done that for other people before. And I said, no. I said, I got to take this journey alone. I said, no, I couldn't imagine doing that. Um, I guess I would do it for somebody who couldn't do it. And even though you love a dog and you might know him because he's your friend's dog or something, but it's probably easier, but I would do it for someone else if they asked, but I couldn't even imagine not being with him as that second. I had this therapist, there's this therapist I know, and she wakes up one day to find her dog who's been sick for a while the older dog wasn't eating that kind of thing the dog was unable to get up just absolutely just laying there which sort of Arby was a little, just a little bit better than that but took me 
it would take me like a half hour to get him up without growling because he'd almost be in a semi-coma. That's how this thing's affected his brain. So her dog couldn't get up. She calls her husband and she goes, I've got appointments. I'm going to work. Pick up the dog, take him to the vet and put him to sleep. And then she just goes to work. I, I don't get that. And no, I'm not going to say I'm not being judgmental. I am being judgmental. How the hell could you leave someone that you love in their last moments and not give them the comfort of you being there, smelling you? I knew something was up when I had um, this dream a couple of days before I put Arby to sleep. And we were all at my, my brother Alan and, and me and some family members. We were this all you can eat buffet, like not the cheapy Chinese ones that I used to like before a lot of them closed down, but one of those upscale all you can eat ones at an upscale restaurant, not the kind of ever resorts where there's 50 million dishes and only half of them are good. No, limited amount of dishes made in small, fresh quantities. I'm thinking of a certain place, but I'm not going to tell you because you'll all want to go there. But we were at this place in the dream. And my brother Alan told me that Arby run away, had run away. And I wasn't concerned at all for some weird reason. And this was so strange to me because for years and years and years and years, more years than I can count, I've had these recurring dreams that Arby ran off and he bit somebody, which he's done before, or, you know, if he was out of my range of my sight or he wasn't under my control on a leash or, or something like that, and I was so freaked out that he would bite somebody that I, I couldn't handle it. I would, I would wake up from these dreams. It'd be like a nightmare or something. But this time... Instead of being so hypervigilant, like I always was in my other dreams, I wasn't concerned at all, which was very weird, when Alan told me that Ari had run away. And then once in a while I tell my husband my dreams, which he doesn't think much about dreams, but when I told Dave my dream, he said, um, I mean, I made up a different ending. I made up the ending that I was concerned and that he came back. And after I told my husband and the words came out loud in my mouth, came out of my mouth, that I changed the ending to say that Alan had found Arby and I was all happy and other than that, I knew subconsciously what I was doing. It's after, just after I did it. I couldn't handle the other option. The real dream was that Alan did not find Arby. And Arby had run away, and I wasn't concerned like I usually was in every other dream that I've had about him running away. And I thought afterwards, yes, I'm sort of an amateur dream uh, person. I write down my dreams, and once in a while I interpret my own dreams. And yes, I've read Young and that kind of thing about the dream therapy and blah, blah, blah. And I thought after that dream and after I admitted the truth to myself that Arby either wanted to run away like out of this world or he was already out of this world and, you know, he was running because he couldn't hardly walk in real life. So he was running somewhere. And probably with his first love, Colette, this 
beautiful Great Dane, and they were both puppies at the same time when my husband and I rented a farmhouse north of Philadelphia, New Hope, Pennsylvania, and they were they both met when they were a couple of months old, and just for months and months they would just run. There was a four or five acre field, and they would just run and run and run and. I would like to think that he's there with her and they're running together. And that was his first and his only love. And I'm not even, you know, I guess I can't force the emotion. I mean, I'm not even feeling. No, I am. Okay. You know, I just, I keep trying to hold it back and then I don't. And then I get guilty if I don't feel. And then when I don't feel, I wonder if I'm holding it back. It's like, it's like all that therapy was for shit. It's like I'm always, and meditation, I'm always second-guessing myself. So I guess this is uh, the time when I'm supposed to tell you a little bit about Arby and the cutesy stuff about him, you know, that kind of thing. 